Here we go. The John Curley, Sherry Ellico Show. Thanks, everybody, for coming along with the ride. Much appreciated. And there's Sherry Red over there. I'm diving into the news. Another balloon. How many balloons has it been? So uh, was it two weeks ago or something, the one that came in off Solution Islands, across Alaska, and then somebody in Montana, somebody just living in Montana, looks up and sees it. Then they call it in. Then he floats all the way across the United States. They got to shoot it down there. As it heads over um, into um, over South Carolina and out into the ocean, fire one very expensive missile. I'll take that one down. Then another one came in. That one was shot down in Alaska. I think it was a Thursday or Friday. Uh, that was flying at forty thousand feet. They said could have been a problem for commercial airlines. They take that one down. Then another one comes in. Um, so there's, I think, there's been four altogether that they're reporting on. Right? Is that the total amount of balloons blown out of the sky? Yes. Saturday, the one was shot down over Canada. That was in cooperation with uh, the Canadian government. And then Sunday, there was a fourth one. It was an unidentified object over uh, Lake Huron. And this mm-hmm. one is sort of the, the one that's the most curious. It was shaped like an octagon and was at an altitude of about 20,000 feet. Now, some of the pilots that have observed some of these flying objects have said that they, they couldn't have any identifiable propulsion. So they didn't know how they were staying in the air. Ooh. So, mm-hmm. um, call west of the Rockies. Go ahead. You're on with Art Bell. <laughs> Because you still haven't been able to tell us what these things are that we are shooting out of the sky, uh, that raises the question, um, have you ruled out aliens or extraterrestrials? And if so, why? Because that is what everyone is asking us right now. And thanks for the question, Colleen. I'll let the intel community and the uh, counterintelligence community figure that out. I haven't ruled out anything. Uh, At this point, we continue to assess uh, every threat or potential threat unknown that approaches North America uh, with an attempt to identify it. George Norrie, stick with us. We'll have another very long interview with someone who's written a book you'll never read. It's 2.15 in the morning, and what are you doing listening to this show? All right. Um, So then we get a chance to hear from uh, National Security Coordinator John Kirby says My understanding is that uh, the top officials of the Pentagon, when asked explicitly if uh, they were ruling out any kind of extraterrestrial presence, said they weren't ruling anything out. And yet at the beginning of today's briefing, albeit with her usual winning smile, uh, Ms. Jean-Pierre seemed to rule out any extraterrestrial activity. I don't think the American people need to worry about aliens with respect to these craft, period. I don't think there's any more that needs to be said there. First time caller line. Go ahead. Okay. And then, thank you, Andrew, for all of that (laughs) extra stuff. Um, China took responsibility for the first one. They were upset. They said, oh, it was nothing more than a, it just, through an act of God, it got misdirected and got caught in the winds or whatever. Um, And then, did they say the second one belonged to them as well? I think what I had read was, that now they said there might have been more of these balloons flying all over the place, but they were going unnoticed because if you think of like our security system, we had it set at four rather than eight. 
So we weren't even detecting these things. Now we've cranked up the dial on finding things that are flying overhead. So now we're more aware of them. It just seems like a it's a balloon for crying out loud. You shoot a balloon on the sky with a missile. Couldn't you pull up next to it and knock it out? Well, I got a bunch of guns here. I have F-20. You get hit with a 22. Huh? Huh? Why, why such a giant missile on a balloon? Well, they didn't know what the material was. I mean, what do you want? Somebody to go up there with a arrow and put it through and hope that it just Sure, deflates? that'd be good. I mean, that'd be good. Uh, I, I, that, that, that's the... That's part B of all of this is what, uh, yeah, I know. you know, what is in all of this stuff. And the discussion I heard over the weekend was about if there are American parts in this Chinese balloon, what do we mm-hmm. do about that? What do we do about the American companies that are selling this equipment that is allegedly spying on us and picking up all kinds of information to the Chinese? These other mm-hmm. ones are even, we know what that one is. Okay. We know that was surveillance. We know it was a balloon. We know we're going to find whatever these other ones though where did they come from what are they doing no one has identified them as oh by the way that was my balloon i set that off you know that yeah. uh, that octagon shaped one yeah i kind of got it out of my garage nobody's said anything about it so when they finally retrieve all the stuff that was in it or retrieve the 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 object itself um It'll be very interesting to see what it's made of and if they can then track where it came from. Remember that story about the guy, Balloon Boy, that he yes. said his kid or himself accidentally took off onto the balloon? Remember that whole thing? Yeah, and he was doing it so he could maybe make a reality show out of it or audition for a reality show. And it was, right. uh, yeah, it was a big, big story. Yeah, people love balloons. Great movie, by the way, Red Balloon. You ever seen that one? The French I have po- not. film? Mm-mm. My mom had this weird fascination with that movie. I don't know why. And then we all sit there and watch it. And I knew immediately it was artsy and I should care more about it. Still to this day, it haunts me. Uh, the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, says, well... I want to be clear. Yeah? The three objects taken down this weekend are very different uh-huh. from what we were talking about last week. We all knew right. exactly what that was. A PRC surveillance balloon. And as we have said, we do not assess that the recent objects pose any direct threat to the people on the ground, and we will continue to focus on confirming their nature and purpose. Okay. Nice to see so he's the, got the masks off. The, the question I have is, you know, one was about the size of a car. Uh, I'm not sure what, how big the other one was. When they get this stuff and they have something that they feel is relatively definitive, how transparent or honest do you think they're going to be about it if it's on something. a scale of one to ten on a scale of one to ten sure four three i've seen the pictures i i i have a subscription to uh weekly world news i've mm-hmm. seen the alien bodies that they're they're oh. doing autopsies on there mm-hmm. at area 51 so yeah this i i think if if these are nothing man-made if it is coming from another you know, planet or whatever, that changes the entire flow of all news and everything when you think about it. Because then all of a sudden it blows up our sort of standard belief when it comes to religion. It changes everything. All of a sudden we've got an outside force that's coming in and spying on us and it's, you know, um, advanced life and where is that life and where is it coming from? Then all of a sudden all these other stupid news stories that kind of hang around, all these social influencers or somebody who lost $4,000 because of a Starbucks tip or something, it just 
it elongates and it will explode out our consciousness way beyond, you know, Rihanna singing or anything else. Don't you think? It'll be enormous, just absolutely enormous how we're able, how news will all of a sudden have to start dealing with something beyond what we know and well, what we can it, explain. Beyond news, it will change our reality of life. Right. Because it's just not everybody believes that it's even possible to have life in other on other planets or galaxies. And so to to uh, that's why I don't think there's going to be any... Uh, admission of that because it would be too shop- shocking uh, unless they want to do that to shift the focus away from other th- other things. I mean, the if the White House wants to manipulate this in some way to their advantage, and it is something very unusual or or very shocking, they could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody's doing anything to sort of draw your attention away from anything right now. Things are a little slow, but again, it would change everything. The, uh, uh, I think how much money was spent altogether was switching over to do the quick thing on the ads in the Super Bowl. The Jesus ads that were done, where they spent 20 million bucks, uh, of, so of all the ads that ran, <clears throat> people are talking about it. Uh, AOC, what, the prettiest, but possibly one of the dumbest uh, members of Congress was talking about it as well. And I think she had tweeted out something about what Jesus had spent $20 million for fascism. I'm like, I don't know where the fascism comes in there. What was the tweet? Something like, like, uh, would yeah, Jesus spend so 20th? This is these, these Christian Super Bowl ads. Yeah. And they show all kinds of things about social injustice, about, uh, immigration about all of the, you know, just sort of conflict. And what she said was, um, she doesn't think that Jesus would support Super Bowl commercials. Oops, that she wouldn't, that the big game commercials, uh, that uh. make fascism look benign. So this Christian group that's, uh, that owns Hobby Lobby or whatever, uh, got two, $20 million on two Super Bowl ads. And mm-hmm. she just said something tells me Jesus would not spend millions of dollars on ads to make fascism look benign. Uh, Jesus loved the people we hate was the tagline on one of them. And then, of course, it's that uh, Jesus gets us. Right. And the gets, one ad that gets I, us. Yeah. I, the one I had a little bit of a problem with, uh, Jesus was a refugee. Jesus was an immigrant. They try to show, they start with the story about the mother and the father. They had a son. They had to leave their country and then come into another country. That's a little, eh. Here's the kind of thing. So Egypt or Rome had control over all of both Egypt and Judea. So they had this sort of propped up leader there in Egypt. But Rome, you're still paying all taxes to Rome. So when the when the Holy Family left Judea and went to Egypt, that that. it wasn't like they were crossing into another country. It's not like they were legally entering this country. It's not like they were leaving one place and then entering a new boundaries and crossing over and um, breaking the laws of the country regarding invasion into the country by not, you know, obeying the laws of, of um, yeah, border security and, you know, filing and saying that, well, I'm a political refugee. So that was the one that kind of fell apart. The other ones are kind of interesting, but, you know, what it does, I don't know. Uh, that more people all of a sudden start going to church. Will more uh, people be aware of, of Jesus? Like, like people don't have enough exposure to, to Christianity? Well, here's, here's the part that, that I find a little 
not that could could that should Uh-oh. be rethought. Uh, this group is going to spend two billion dollars over the next several years. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to get people who have felt left out or maybe not welcomed by Christianity, LGBTQ, a lot of other groups uh, to become involved. This is just two billion dollars on ads um, mm-hmm. and um, and outreach. Do you think that two billion dollars could help people in a different way? Um, are you questioning the power of advertising? Have I told you a little about RLE and refractive lens exchange and what it's done for me, Sherry, <laughs> my 20 years? The spending $2 billion, I don't know what their total amount of budget is and I don't know what they intend to do. The outreach to other groups to try to get them to be more, um, more tolerant of Christianity. Uh, the groups that hate Christians and want to stop Christians, uh, that's everybody from the FBI, the Abide administration, the DOJ, that uh, have decided that if you go against um, their ideas when it comes to abortion, their ideas when it comes to transgender, you, you know, you're, you throw phobia at the end of some word, and often they slap that on top of somebody who is Christian. They do everything they can to make sure that the baker has to bake a cake, um, that the graphic design artist has to create art and bend to what progressives would like. I would like to see who's behind it because I, I can't imagine there's a sort of standard that you have in Christianity if you sort of follow along and you hold the person accountable for their behavior. You don't get all kind of squishy on the thing, but they're trying to they're outreaching to to the left is that their they're, plan? They're they're trying to get people that feel as though Christianity is not for them. That somehow Christianity is uh, rejected them. So they're saying Jesus understands. So when you look at people that are the black and white images of migrants fleeing their homes to avoid persecution, uh, when you look at the the one. Ad. I don't know if you saw it or not. It was uh, someone screaming at a police officer right in their face, that type of thing. Um, they're mm-hmm. trying to say Jesus really understands all of us. Jesus would love the people that hated him. And that's the message. So even if you feel as though you have been rejected or you have not been welcomed or whatever, they want to bring you into the fold. They want to let you know that Jesus is there for you. So maybe you could start with, so if it's the basic tenet of love your neighbor as yourself, right? The mm-hmm. golden rule, that's a pretty good one. So, okay, love your neighbor as yourself. So if you know that somebody is Christian and you automatically hate them and you do everything you can to dis- to depict their belief in God, whether it is dipping crucifix into a big vat of urine uh, or whether it's uh, making fun on Family Guy or whatever it is that you want to sort of make fun of Jesus, you want to mock Christianity? There you go. So now you love yourself very much. Would you be able to extend that same love to someone that believes that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior, God's only son comes to earth um, and is able uh, to forgive those that put him uh, to death and show us how to love and then also triumph over death? If you accept somebody... Um, that believes those things and also believes that 
life in the womb is sacred and not to be destroyed by a quote-unquote choice. It, I think the problem is that the distance between these two groups is so vast that I don't know if you're going to find any place in between where they can agree on just about anything. But I, it I seems to me that the hate goes both ways. Sure. I think the it's basically what would Jesus do? Right. I mean, that's the whole thing. If you look at all of these situations and you look where there's hate, what would Jesus do? J- Jesus would love his enemy. Jesus would would put down a weapon. Jesus wouldn't wouldn't do the kinds of things that some people are doing. And Jacob, uh, Jacob, this reminds me. And I'm sorry, Sherry. We're up against the clock. Get Jesus. <laughs> OK. Right. Fun. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. Forget the Forget the chief with the broken legs that Sherry's all in love with. Drop all that. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Good. I'd go more for Jesus. I'm, I'm on. I'm. I'm good with that. That's no problem. Okay. Right. Get, get okay. JC. All right. Good. Yeah, thank you, Sherry. You know, you take your car to Bucky's Bucky's Auto Service Centers. They'll do it right, and you're gonna. They're gonna. It's gonna be fair. Four thousand four hundred and forty-four dollars and forty-four cents. No way. They're going to make sure they get that car done, and they're going to do it most economically they can. They're going to just... Man, they got 16 locations. Take the car to... Take it to all 16 locations. Bucky's Bucky's Auto Service Centers. Uh, that's the way you want to go. Okay. <clears throat> well, here we go. The more news when it comes to Gen Z. That's anybody between the age of 6 and 24. I think that's right. I think that's what I got. Six? Yeah, I know you're not good with math. <laughs> Don't ask me to subtract six from 24 or we'll be here all day. So, uh, yeah. Gen okay. Z, young millennials are normalizing dating their coworkers. I have a theory as to why this is happening, but the Washington Post says it used to be that people are like, yeah, I don't really date anybody at work, which I don't think that was a kind of a hard and fast rule or even what most people didn't engage in. But uh, now apparently Gen Z folks are like, yeah, I've got no problem dating with anybody at work. It's it's more that management didn't want people dating people at work. So it was uh, frowned upon because they did not want uh, this to become a distraction. They didn't want the drama that could unfold if people broke up to happen. And they used to have something called love contracts where you would – if you were dating somebody, you had to, I guess, agree to certain things should you break up. And now that's all relaxed. HR's uh, – um, departments aren't that concerned about it anymore. There aren't that many strict rules. About one-third of G, uh, Gen Zs say they're okay with it. But about 40% of workers overall still think it's kind of unprofessional. Uh, Zoom, hmm. Slack, uh, that actually made people closer in spite of the fact that they weren't in the office together. And that's because nobody was watching. So you could get close to somebody talking to them on a video screen, uh-huh. Just the two of you, you wouldn't have to worry about the prying eyes of, you know, the Mrs. Kravitz in the, uh, in, you know, in the other cubicle or something. You, uh, I assume, um, a comely, attractive girl like yourself probably spent quite a number of times just stowing away and sneaking kisses in the copier room. <laughs> yes, I have had some. I have had some uh, some office romances. I have indeed, and and I also had one um, with with a guy when I worked at J C Penney, 
in the shoe department. That didn't go well. Oh, my God. This is just sickening. And how did, what happened exactly in the JCPenney shoe department? Well, he was dating a woman who was a manager, and he broke up with her, uh-huh. and then he started dating me. And she mm. would walk by the department, and we kept it a secret. But then she eventually found out about it because I told somebody, and loose lips sink ships. So Got somebody it. told her, and then she would walk by. Now, she had no jurisdiction over me but as a no, general rule she was in another department you were in the you were in the shoe department <laughs> right. you had reached to the pinnacle of the jc penny industry there you go you were selling those go. shoes in jc pennies yes. yeah so one night so we had dated for a while and then one night um i went out with another I determined shoe to make this person. music work i'm sorry <laughs> keep going yes I went out with another shoe department a co-worker, which was a, a person, and we were in the bathroom at this place or whatever, and she said, hey, um, listen, I didn't want to tell you this, but Joe's dating like 10 other people. I went, what? And she's like, yeah. I mean, not at Penny's, but he's dating like a bunch of other people, he told me. Yeah. Oh. You could hear my heartbreak as the toilet flushed. So um, then I had to give him the the cold shoulder which doesn't really right, work right. because no, you're trying to work not together. in the shoe department yeah not no shoe, no yeah. no no because you have to cooperate if i yeah, need a size right. eight or he needs a size six we have to help each other so it did get a little bit messy yeah that was that was to hide my tears because i really liked him he was cute and funny and I, yeah, he was great. Could he do the thing sad. with the shoe where he'd take it out of the box and then flip it in the air so it did like two or three somersaults before he caught it quickly into his hand? He 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 wasn't that showy. Oh, he wasn't that's what like I loved that. about Joe. That's what I love most about Joe. <laughs> he was, when he, he, was, he, when was he reached back onto the heel of the person and pulled her sock up for them, before he put it in that giant metal contraption and push their foot all the way forward and then slide the little bar uh-uh. over. He didn't need to. He was one of these guys that was super cool. Like he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna go to trickery or some sort of I don't know, show offy stuff. He didn't need to. Here's your shoes, no, man. Because he was Take dating eleven it. other women, including you. <laughs> he was just like here's your shoes. I don't care. And that was like so cool. He just was, he didn't care about the job. He didn't care what happened. He was just there and looking cute. And so I, yeah. What a rebel. Was, you went for was, the rebel. Did he wear a leather jacket? Was he always constantly slicking his hair back with a uh, kind of raccoon tail comb in his back pocket, much like sort of John Travolta grease thing? No, but this was sort, this was a, a very embarrassing thing that I did. Uh-huh. He asked me if we'd go into the mall one day. So we walked into the mall and we're walking around and he saw this jean jacket that he liked. <laughs> and, I've, and it was expensive. It was $60. And I bought God, it for him because I wanted him to like me. Oh. I know. I know. Oh. Yeah. I don't know which, I, I don't know what was a show of, 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 of more uh, lack of self respect that I worked there. What did that conversation make- sound like? He's like, that's a nice jacket. And you're like, yeah, that would look nice on you. He goes, yeah, I can't afford 60. I, I kind of have a devil-may-care attitude about selling shoes at, at JCPenney. And then you're like, <laughs> I'll buy it for you, Joe. 
Yeah, I was like, it'll be an early Christmas present, okay? Figuring we'd be together at Christmas. <laughs> where is that? Uh, where was that? There was the Jean Jacket store next to the J.C. Penney's. Let me ask you, Andrew. We have uh, Forever Twenty One, K Jewelers, uh, Blossom Florist, Purple Mattress uh, I, I, Show. Right. I have a little I'm postscript sorry. to it, though. If you want to hear yes, it, okay, good. quickly. Good. Does it get sadder? So, no. So about twenty-five years later, I run into him. And okay. he's having a coffee somewhere, and I was like, "Oh wow, I didn't know you lived in this same town that I live in." And he said, "Yeah," and I mm-hmm. said, "And at that time, I had a fairly high-profile radio job, uh-huh. and he was a waiter." And so I took my then boyfriend to the restaurant where he was waiting tables, and they said, "Well, his his section isn't available." I said, "That's okay, we'll wait," and I had him oh. wait on us. <laughs> And he was wearing the jean jacket you got him, so. <laughs> That's all that was left. And he tried to make light of all of it, and he was like, well, there's some crazy times you and I had, huh? There's some crazy stuff. Yeah. I'd have, I'll have the salmon and the, yes, and my date, who's paying for it, will have what? <laughs> How was the tip? It was ex- excellent. I made sure Good, of that. There for you all right yeah you but know, it took was, you 20 minutes to figure out to do the math on it oh yeah right. plus <laughs> yeah. you know he was licking his thumb and stick it in your soup i'm just letting you know if you know what i mean <laughs> Thank you. um not a double entendre all right what do you do if you graduate with a, a degree in english where are you going to work well you could work for the um State Highway Department putting up clever signs that flash up above the uh, lane changes, giving you important information and also helping you better navigate the roads and then give you fun little advice like Baby Yoda uses the force but still needs a car seat. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, here's another one. <laughs> um, treat your kids like a fanny pack. Buckle up and back. Washington Post looks into this. Did they? You got one? Mm hmm. Texting while driving? Oh, sell no. Got the munchies? Get food delivered. Don't drive high. We'll be blunt. Don't drive high. Uh, Washington Post, do they have a problem with these? Do they think that people feel that they don't take this stuff seriously or they're trying to squash this? Well, the Federal Highway Administration has the problem with it. They Uh said to New Jersey, who had the will be blunt sign, um, they sent them a cease and desist uh, uh, order. This is the use of those variable message boards, and they don't like the idea that these clever little plays on words are being used for that. They say it does not promote safe and efficient use of the roadway, and there's no evidence that humor improves safety. So a couple of things happen. One is that they put out a book, an 864-page book of rules, and they determined that unconventional syntax is not safe. What unconventional mm. syntax is are these clever little witticisms, right? And right. they say... I, I said that once. I've said that a million times. I hardly ever say because I'm so sick of saying that. But you're right about yes. syntax not being safe. Yes. 
they even threatened to have them lose federal funds if they use these witticisms, colloquialisms, popular culture or slang references. Somebody used a, a line from a Taylor Swift song, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But then they had the, I guess it was the National Academy of Sciences did this study where they hooked up 300 people to, to like a brain scan kind of thing and then read them some of these funny messages to see how their brain reacted. And their brain, actually it triggered more brain activity when it was uh-huh. sort of clever and whatever. But the bottom line was it didn't help anybody say, stay safer at all. It did uh-huh. get attention. It did make you think a little bit. But so... They're just saying, don't, don't do this anymore. These signs are not for that. The signs are for things like up ahead, accident, lane three, those types of things, not for you to test to see how clever you can be. Right. They're saying that the information is important. If you sort of poke fun at it or at least make a joke about it, then people are less likely to take it seriously. I remember when they were locking everything down uh, for how many days? In two weeks to um, flatten the curve? Oh, that's right. Two years. And the signs that were above I-90, like, you know, stay home, stay safe, or, you know, get 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 vaxxed for everybody else's safety. Oh, I used to come into work and scream at Jacob. Remember those days, Jacob? <laughs> yes. Oh. Stay so they home. really weren't safety messages because Jacob oh, was unsafe. I, I, and I would flipping those things off. Oh, God. I saw one interesting study. You know, if they did, you know, on the speed things, you're driving along the highway. If it showed your speed, you know, it's 35 or slow down. That didn't have the same effect as if it had the smiley face or a sad face. When it had a sad face, people were more likely to slow down. A smiley face, happy face, people were driving the right speed limit. But if you were going too fast, sad face would come on. People were more likely to, you know, react to that better and slow down. 